Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Up next, Luna talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. China, whether or not we want to accept it, is in competition with the United States, both economically, from a military perspective, from a space race perspective, and from a technology perspective. They are and do intend on becoming the number one world superpower. And that's not good for us. Why? Well, mainly because China is communist and communism kills. I will be joined by Andy, my husband, but also someone that I would consider definitely a subject matter expert on this topic. This is Luna Talks. Welcome back to this Wednesday's episode of Luna Talks with me, your host, Anna Paulina Luna. Over the last couple of days, I don't think that you can turn on the TV. I don't think that you can go on social media without seeing some of the horrific footage of Afghanistan. I know that an image that is currently sticking with me is something that I'm sure most of you have now seen, whether it's been on television or social, of the airport in Kabul being overrun with refugees seeking to leave Afghanistan because the Taliban has now taken over. To see some of this footage and then to realize the impact that this has had, not just, I think, on America as a whole, but you realize how many veterans, especially of the war in Afghanistan, and how many people, whether it's people listening to the show now, whether it's people like you, maybe you know service members, maybe it's your friends, your family that are still serving, or possibly have known and lost people to this awful war over the last 20 years. To see some of that footage and to see how awful the withdrawal was done because our leadership in Biden and at the White House was incompetent. Because while you had the military focusing on pushing this sensitivity training, pushing this woke ideology, you can see that there was a blatant absence in military strategy in regards to the withdrawal in Afghanistan. Because the plan in place under President Trump was thrown out immediately by the new leadership that was brought in under Biden. And because of that failure in leadership, we are seeing what we're currently seeing happening. And there are so many people 
there are so many military members that have messaged me. I've, I'm not kidding when I say I've gotten hundreds of messages, whether it's been on my Facebook or my Instagram or gotten phone calls or text messages. And even in my personal capacity, like having friends reach out that have just talked about how frustrated they are to see what's happening because those people feel that their sacrifices were in vain. And if I could just take a moment with all of you to say, if you can, if you know someone who has served, now would be the time to call them and honestly check on them because you already have the military that suffers with a high rate of suicides. And then you see something like this happen and you realize how much it's, it's basically our Vietnam. It is our fall of Saigon. The way that the administration handled this was so bad and the lack of military strategy, the lack of any just foresight into what would happen is just so blatantly obvious. And then you had the Biden administration, Biden maybe barely made what, maybe a 10 minute speech addressing the nation and then went back on vacation. I mean, that's the military. That's a leadership that we currently have in this country. And I don't think anyone can make excuses for this man any longer. What's happening is wrong. And the way that this withdrawal was handled is completely embarrassing, not just on the world stage, but it also sets a precedence and it sets a precedence for countries like China. And we just saw an article that was posted that talked about how China and Russia are both now recognizing Taliban as the leaders of Afghanistan. And what a lot of people may or may not know is that the Chinese government was actually in Afghanistan way before we ended up withdrawing from there. In fact, they were setting up shop. They were bringing in the infrastructure. They were bringing in people to build out the factories. They weren't going in to change Afghanistan like so many countries had done prior. They were going in to harvest Afghanistan's natural resources. And because of that, because of what China's end objective is, which is to become a global superpower, it is alarming and it is scary. And I do believe that within the next 10 years, China will, in some capacity, make an effort to attack the United States from a military perspective. And I do think that it will be kinetic. And I know that that's scary to kind of hear it, but if we could see it now and acknowledge it now and realize how much of a threat China is, we may be able to stop it. And so that's why today I wanted to bring in Andy. And as some of you know, Andy, yes, he's my husband, but he's also what I would consider a military strategist. And he knows because he went to Afghanistan and he can tell you what he saw and he can tell you about the foreign policy and what works and what doesn't work and what we're currently seeing with China, because China is the number one threat to the United States. And if you think what is happening in Afghanistan is currently bad, Just imagine if in 2030, China is the number one world superpower and they're pushing communism across the globe, which is what they would love to do. Communism kills. And so right after this quick break, I'm going to bring in Andy and we're going to ask him some questions. And I want you to all pay attention and share this with your friends and family, because after what happened this past week, I don't think anyone can say that it is not their responsibility to get engaged anymore. What happened this past week was alarming. It was horrifying. It was difficult to watch, but it was disheartening, not just for so many veterans that have sacrificed their lives, their family members, Gold Star families, all of them, but to see our own president not be respected, which is essentially us not being respected on the world stage, is something that I don't think that we as Americans should be tolerating any longer. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. As we know, last week, Team USA came in number one in regards to being the best in the world at most sports, with China coming in number two. But why is that important that China is two? And what factors does this play in the grand scheme of things in regards to the race for global domination? I wanted to bring in someone who I've actually had in one previous episode, my husband, Andy, who many of you know, yes, is a veteran. Yes, is still actually in as a combat controller, but also is someone who's well-versed in regards to what China is doing. And he is also, might I add, just as a disclaimer, joining us today in his own capacity, but what China is doing in regards to the race for global domination. As we know, China, through their state propaganda party and through everything that they've done over the last, I'd say even 20 years, is trying to, I think, beat out the United States in regards to being an economic power, being a military power, and also to controlling everything in regards to industry. We know that a lot of our industry currently is actually sourced in China. And that to date, while we've been focusing on the Middle East and basically being a world police, China has been going to everywhere we have been and basically developing Um, industry, developing those nations and harvesting their natural resources. So without further ado, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today on Luna Talks. Tell the listeners, what is it that your job is in the military as a combat controller? Uh, As a U.S. Air Force combat controller, the best way to describe it real quickly is every branch has a special operations force. Navy has SEALs, Army has Army Special Forces, um, the Marine Corps has uh, raiders, uh, the Air Force has combat controllers and pararescuemen. Uh, we all do about 75% the same thing. And then there's about a 25% uniqueness to each branch where we kind of get into like our own niche um, and, and do things that are unique to each branch. So obviously today, Andy is again joining us in his own capacity, but it's important because As we see what's happening, I think, in the grand scheme of things, how China is literally ripping off the United States in regards to our personal ideas, in regards to industry, in regards to manufacturing, it is people like Andy that are not just boots on the ground, but also to can provide, I think, a strategic perspective on China's military dominance, or at least their push for military dominance. So what can you tell me about the way China has been operating in the Middle East over the last even 10 years? It's not even just the Middle East, and it's incredible. You know what China does is that there's a, a a phrase that people use that that I've heard, uh, killing them with kindness, and it's a tactic that China uses. China goes around to all the countries in the world, to include places in the Middle East, and they they give loans. They give these massive, massive loans, infrastructure loans uh, to these countries. And they start off the whole deal with just no strings attached. Literally, they show up. Here's a massive pot of money to do what you want with it. Here, oh, and by the way, here you want a thousand plus Chinese workers. We'll build you roads. We'll do whatever you want. No big deal. And it leaves these countries going, "Wow, this 
seems great. Is a no strings attached loan. I okay, why not? But is it really ever just no strings attached? Because I feel like well, especially with China, it's like one of those things that China comes in and they basically say it's no strings attached, but then obviously there's communism and yeah, <laughs> the no, economic I, harvesting of your country. <laughs> no, absolutely. So I mean, how it works is to sum it up. Over time, what China does is they start to own countries economically, right? So it's about 26 countries, I believe, to date. About 5% of their entire GDP uh, is owned by China. That's a massive deal. Just 5% would crush most economies. And that helps influence policy in the future. All China is really looking for in the future is a stockpile of countries that are willing to just go along with whatever China wants. That's all they really care about. It will become more of a nightmare in the future when there are certain things that China wants to do around the world that perhaps we, the United States and other uh, allied nations don't agree upon. China's going to have a laundry list of countries that they're not going to be able to go against what China wants or says simply because they're just owned by China. And we have kind of the same problem here in the United States as well. Like Most people don't know this. China owns $1.9 billion dollars worth of farmland inside the United States. China owns it. That's so scary because you hear about all what's happening in China currently. I think they actually recently got in trouble for, was it goods, that, um, rice goods that they found out that they're putting pieces of plastic in it. And then even things like honey, they're finding that they were actually diluting that. So I feel like the United States, at least nationally and internationally, has one of the best agriculture and farming and produce industries in the world. And you have China coming in and literally buying up our farmland. Um, to kind of just segue a little bit, though, right now, um, I was actually recently watching a documentary on Netflix where they're talking about how China's invested so much of their resources, of their studying. I mean, they literally are setting up the youth of their nation. They're already beating us out in the education system, right, with engineering and sciences. But they are now investing so much in regards to space technology. And as we know, the space frontier is one of the last frontiers on the planet, or basically not in planet, but in general that has been explored, right? With China trying to develop, I think, a dominance in space, I mean, and you do have experience working with different technologies in regards to basically keep the US supreme. What is the biggest threat from China currently that we're facing in regards to, I think, our technology industries? So here's an interesting way to look at it. Okay. So China up till this point, they their entire military, their entire industry is all completely reverse engineered off of US and Russian equipment. And the reason why that's interesting is that they've just been copying the United States. If you look at all of their military hardware, it's direct copy of copies of, of Russian and US equipment. Now, China's at a point now, though, where they're starting to develop things on their own. They're now a nation where they can actually develop their own technologies and technologies that can put in ways them ahead of us in certain ways. And, and the reason why that's interesting, the last 50 plus years, everything that China developed is they copied us and they copied Russia. So we're always ahead of China in any way. Whatever they have, we're going to have the next generation capability over them. So it's, so it's not a big problem. Now, they're starting to develop things on their own. They're starting to, to adapt to that as well. And a, a lot of people don't realize... Anything that's made in China, the Chinese government owns it. It doesn't matter if it's a private company, China owns it. The government can, can seize that, that property, whatever it is, whether it's intellectual or physical property, they, they own it. The amount of industry that the United States puts 
in China is just unbelievable. And we rely, a lot of our military programs rely on equipment that, you know, is, is partly made in China. So you're talking about basically chips, chip sourcing and all kinds of stuff. I mean, steel, everything from materials to actual, to computer chips, to China has a huge interest in Afghanistan, believe it or not. And is that because Afghanistan has natural resources that they can capitalize on? The Middle East is, is full of natural resources over there and they know that and they want to capitalize on it. What I, what I predict is going to happen in Afghanistan in, in the next however many decades, if when, when we do truly pull out of Afghanistan, what China's going to do is mark my worth. They're going to go in there and they're going to use their tactic, just like they have everywhere else in the world, the tactic of killing them with kindness. They're going to build industries. They're going to build infrastructure, uh, you know, buildings, uh, mines, and they're just going to let the Afghans have it. They're not going to say, hey, you need to have this type of government or you need to do this or you that. They're just going to say, hey, look, here's this, here's this company to, to build, to, to harvest your, your minerals, everything, and just give us a, a percentage of it. So basically what they do is they go in, they say, you run your government how you want. We don't care about basically what you do in regards to laws. We simply just want access to your economic freedom, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's concerning, obviously, because this is the same country that basically operates, has a social credit system. They have basically help from Silicon Valley here in the United States, which is extremely disturbing, but they have a ranking system. I mean, there is no speaking out against the Communist Party. It is what it is. You either accept it or you disappear. And that's basically life in China. Um, but when it when it comes to a military perspective, I mean, there is so much in regards to China being able to thrive because like you stated earlier, they are ripping the United States off. So there is no true communism without true capitalism. Had it not been for us and even Russia, um, they wouldn't be able to rip off some of the ideas that we've been able to actually provide, whether it's breakthroughs in sciences and technology, but they are basically using to further their end objective, which is to become a world and the world superpower. So it's really simple. The whole world can be summed up to kids on a playground in kindergarten or a bunch of drunk people in a bar. It's just really simple. China wants to be number one. China wants to be king of the hill and and they're going to do everything they can in their power to do it. We, it's just that simple. It's nothing cosmic. It's nothing wazoo. I mean, if you travel around the world, and I've been to a lot of countries and, and a lot of places that China is, is as well, it's not cosmic. It's not confusing. You, we see what they're doing. And what's, what's incredible to me is that there are so many politicians in the United States that are talking about things that other countries that just don't, just don't matter. They just don't. Like China is our, is our number one threat by a lot. So before we get into, I guess, what threats that that poses, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Everyone stick with us. We'll be right back after the short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back. As we stated earlier, we're going to start getting into what's happening now in regards to military threats. So we know that China has this massive and extensive surveillance system, but do you believe with what, you know, here in the United States is very unique. We have our first amendment, 
But from what I've heard from people that we know and from many members of the intelligence community, China actively uses our First Amendment against us via disinformation campaigns. Is that something that you see and that you can actually agree with? I mean, China is basically weaponizing that against us, correct? 100%. And anything that I, I, I say is not, is not classified. These are all just my opinions of, of things that I've, that I've seen, right? China's mastered it. The, the fact that they, and it's not just China, but it's mostly China. The majority of it is China. They figured out a way to create things like TikTok. TikTok is, is, TikTok is 100% owned by the Chinese government. It, it, it absolutely is. Um, and, you know, people say all the time, you know, I don't really care if my information is getting, you know, if I'm being tracked, like I'm not doing anything illegal. Like, why does that, why does that matter? It doesn't matter. It, the reason why it matters is it doesn't necessarily matter what you're doing at that moment. It doesn't necessarily matter what maybe you're doing in five years from now. But any little bit of information, let's say we do end up going into a conflict with China, um, all that stuff is going to be huge. They're going to be able to track. They can track. I mean, they track everything that we do. It all gets cataloged. It all goes to a database, like everything, server farms. It's all, it's all information that's stored. And whether it's trillions of bits of information that's stored, maybe one or two things in 30 years from now become insanely relevant. Um, and that's just how it goes. And that's just how it is. And that's the incredible, you know, concept and theory of, you know, data analytics and storage of, of data and how quickly a lot of these modern day computers can sift through just massive, massive piles of data. And who knows, maybe it will be useful for, for the Chinese government at some point. Well, I remember I actually saw an article two days ago, and it was talking about how there's been such a massive attack of information warfare from China on the United States, that it is very possible that China could have already a file and information on pretty much every single person that's been they born do. in this country. And it's one of those things that, okay, yes, like you stated earlier, you might not care about right now about your information, but privacy and information, that's what run, runs the world. You want to talk about campaigning. It's all about the data. It's all about the voter information, but let's just not, let's take, you know, that view and then look at it from, you know, an 18,000 foot view. And you're talking about world politics, world domination. Um, what if God forbid China in the next 10 years decides that they want to dominate the United States militarily, then we're talking about breaching of information. We're talking about military strategy. All of this stuff has been compromised. And I think that it's really important to note that the U S DOD was telling its employees not to have TikTok on their phones, that it's always the case. And I can speak on this, at least when I was in the military, that when you were going into certain briefings that you actually had to leave your cell phone and information outside of those briefings, because it is very possible that you have cyber attacks, that people can hack your phones. I mean, these are all very real possibilities. These are not tin hat theories. Let me, let me give a scenario. Like here, I, I think sometimes the best way to describe you know, why this matters is a good scenario. So let's just play a scenario real quick. So scenario one, we'll call it, maybe I'll give two. 16-year-old girl has a TikTok, has a family, of course, right? She lives at home with her, with her family. And she has a brother who, and this is just totally making up this story, this is, who has cancer, maybe has cancer. And she talks about that in her TikTok, right? Um, well, maybe her mom works at the DMV and has access to certain information that, that maybe other people don't have. The Chinese government is looking for information from someone and 
they know that they can get it through this DMV, through this person. Well, maybe somehow they get connected or they get, you know, somebody says, hey, look, well, you know, we can, we can give you $50,000. We can pay for all those medical bills if you can just give us this one person's like this bit of information. Boom, done. So it's and basically it bribery. I mean, espionage, that's how and, it happens. And that sounds, it's just that simple. It truly is. And whether it's just a person to person or it's a nation trying to, you know, sabotage another nation or blackmail another country. Countries blackmail other countries all the time. It happens all the time. I think it's really interesting, too, that obviously in the military, one of the things that they ask for security clearance is, do you have financial issues? Because if you do, then you're considered technically someone who's vulnerable to be either exploited or bribed because of your financial issues. So why is it that you know military members and certain members of the DOD have to hold security clearances? You can't have those issues, but let's say you're a member of Senate or Congress. I mean, shouldn't they be held to the same standards? Uh, it, it absolutely... It, it baffles my mind. It blows my mind. I, I actually... <laughs> asked to get a clearance in the military it's a it's a huge lift item and i asked uh somebody in congress is like hey how does it work with you know getting a clearance in the military like, well as an elected official like the people chose you so you just you know you're gonna get you don't have to operate under those same same <laughs> it's standards just, it's just amazing I have a few more questions for you in regards to combat control and i know that obviously that's something that you do now part-time so andy is a guardsman for CCT. And I did want to ask you about that because a lot of people are unaware that Air Force has a special operations division. I think that, you know, you say Air Force special operations and then people say, oh, you mean the SEALs? (laughs) No, totally different. So go ahead and tell us what, with combat control, I mean, so many people are unaware that Air Force has a special operations division. Some of the things that I know you had found out um, about some of your even teammates right before you got out of active duty is that, you know, on those Captain Phillips hostage rescues in that story about horse soldiers, I mean, there was all combat controllers there, right? So yeah, the, the Air Force does have a tier one and tier two special operations force, um, believe it or not. So all branches are unique. And I said earlier, you know, we all kind of cover down about 80% the same thing. And what I mean by that is every combat controller goes to combat dive school, army free fall school, a bunch of us, like I've been to special forces sniper school, we're all demolition qualified. We go to all the same shooting schools as, as all our buddies. Um, and then what makes us a little unique is we go to air traffic control school. And we go to JTAC school, Joint Terminal Attack Control School. And both of those qualifications give us the ability to conduct close air support so we can drop bombs when we're with teams out in the field. And then also so we can control uh, airfields. And whether it's a dirt strip in Africa or it's Moscow International, uh, it will be a team of combat controllers that's going to take that airfield and control it and utilize it. So that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize in the military in regards to strategy, you have to, in order to even bring in supplies, have an operational airfield and provide support for those aircraft in order to actually, I think, seize and take control of the entire battle, right? It's a superior, superior strategy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the last 20 years, Afghanistan has been interesting, right? It's, we, we kind of call it how we've been fighting over there. We call it caveman tactics or caveman CAS. CAS is an acronym for close air support. You won't really find a SEAL team or an Army Special Forces team or a MARSOC Raider team without one or two of, of me attached, like embedded in that team on the ground with the guys, like getting in the gunfights and dropping bombs. And sometimes when our guys get pinned down and they can't maneuver, we, we, we drop bombs. And so, you know, talking about China and talking about all these peer on peer adversaries, the tactics change a little bit. And that's kind of where we go back to 
a lot of Cold War tactics. And, and the big reason why combat control came into existence in the first place and kind of going back to the scenario, whether it's we need to seize a dirt strip in Africa or we need to seize an entire airfield in, in Russia or China or wherever it is in the world, um, combat controllers have a massive, massive part in that. Um, you know, fun fact as well, there's missions that I think people would be shocked that combat controllers were on. So you mentioned the Captain Do, Phillips hostage. Don't we'll say call his him, name. Yes, yeah, sorry. We'll call him Sergeant Rambo for the podcast because sure. he's still doing some so, cool guy stuff. So the Captain Phillips hostage rescue that a lot of people may have seen the movie. Um, it talks about in the movie how it was six Navy SEALs who who free falled in to go rescue Captain Phillips. It wasn't six SEALs. It was actually originally it was four SEALs and Air Force pararescue men and an Air Force combat controller. And that Air, <laughs> and that Air Force CCT, he was the free fall jump master for that whole operation. And he was my team sergeant for. And you didn't find that out until right before he was going to retire. I mean, he's right? a humble guy. Like he, no, I mean, you know, he, that's just what he did. And and then a lot of the guys in Kerfield don't talk about uh, what, what, they they, do what they've done, out, you yeah. know, like another one of my team sergeants, he was, he was one of the first guys to go into Afghanistan in 2001, you know, horse soldiers is another example. Like that's awesome what those guys did and everything. Um, but they certainly didn't mention the combat controller. That was actually the guy on the ground dropping all the bombs. So there was a combat controller with there's a combat controller there, Black Hawk downs, combat controllers. There's missions going all the way back to the eighties where combat controllers are embedded and grained in the team. Um, you know, so if you ever see, and especially with the military, if you go to my social media, whether it's on my, you know, my uh, Instagram, Facebook, wherever it might be, you'll see pictures of Andy actually in uniform and they wear a scarlet beret. And why do they wear that scarlet color? What's the heritage behind that? It's just the beret. It's our beret. It's a red beret. Um, we've been wearing it uh, almost since day one. And it's just, it's just a heritage thing. Seals have their trident. The green berets have a green beret. Uh, we have a we have a red bread. So before we go, I want to close with this. Andy does have a really cool heritage toast that they typically give for their fallen, um, basically teammates. And I wanted to see if you'd share that with everyone before we go. Oh, uh, okay. Can you? I, All right. I'll do it if you want. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, here it goes. And this is mind you, this is usually something that they do at their toasts or at memorials. And I think it's really cool that you share this with everyone because not a lot of people are aware that no, this is, it. this community is really an incredible community. And if you guys could just take a peep, I know that I actually wrote a book recently kind of about us and about our friends and stories that everyone experienced. And we kind of made it into obviously bringing them home. And so that's for sale now on Barnes and Noble or post sale press. So, and I challenge before I do the toast, I challenge everybody to watch. Uh, there's a, you, you can look it up on YouTube, look up John Chapman. He's a combat controller getting the medal of honor. It's actually the, the only recorded from aircraft uh recording of of an individual getting uh earning the medal of honor ever recorded no other Ugh. medal of honor has ever been recorded it's heartbreaking prior. though i i do i will say this it is probably i don't think anyone can actually watch it without actually tearing up because it's obviously was how he was it's, killed it's incredible it's, it's really incredible that they got the footage but really heartbreaking at the same time and honestly john chapman god bless his soul he has two little or two now teenagers i think they're in college now but yeah, he was I mean, a great sure dude older, yeah. yeah so anyways we'll close with the cct toast okay. here's the men who wear the beret not the black the tan the green or the gray but to the maroon and the red that we wear on our head represents the blood and the lives that our brothers have shed 
Let us grow together and never die. And we can tell stories of how we used to fly. The blood, the sweat, the tears we give first there that those may live. And that is Air Force heritage. And I will also say this, whenever you hear these people talking about defunding the police or defunding the military or the fact that they think that the United States is not amazing, even though it is, you remember that because there are a lot of good people who every day sacrifice so much to really, I think, give us the opportunity and the privilege that we have of being a free country. And they also bring that freedom to other parts of the world and and oppressed regimes and oppressed countries. Make sure you don't forget to tune into Sunday's episode. We're going to actually be talking about uh, how the churches need to be getting more involved, especially in regards to politics and how basically your moral code and your religious conviction doesn't just stop once you exit, exit your church. It basically follows you to the poll. So make sure you guys tune back in. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you soon. Before we go, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Parlor, Getter, Facebook, and Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to producer Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. From original art and diplomas to ticket stubs and the keys to your first home, we all have mementos we'd love to put on display. FrameBridge is the easy and affordable way to custom frame just about anything with fair upfront pricing based on the size of your item and fast, free shipping. Plus, your happiness is guaranteed. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started. That's FrameBridge.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.